Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. I'm excited for our guest today. I had the honor of meeting Devin Sandiford on Instagram. Uh, a fun fact about Devin is his story, The Loudest Whisper, was chosen by the moth to be the champion, well, the companion to a story told by Reverend Al Sharpton for Black History Month in 2020, and it was downloaded over 1 million times and in 49 different countries. And that was as of February 2021. So Devin, I'm sure it's even more at this at this point. Who knows? It could be at 2 million. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is currently a program manager for community engagement at the Moth. And I'm gonna let you tell I'm gonna let you tell them what, what that is, Devin, when I'm done with your introduction. He is a published writer and a four-time New York City mop story slam champion. His stories have been featured in the Washington Post, the Moth Podcast, Seattle NPR affiliate, KNKX, Speak Up Storytelling, and several other outlets. He's currently working on his debut book, a painfully honest memoir, removing the curtain of race to reveal hard truths about how he lost his humanity and convinced himself it was no big deal until he became a father. After finding his own voice, he founded Unreeling Storytelling, a Brooklyn-based organization providing a platform for people of color, women and others who have been pushed to the margins of our culture. He is a Southern California native, but lives in Brooklyn, New York, my old stomping ground, <laughs> with his wife and his seven and 10-year-old son. So welcome, Devin. Let me know if I've left anything out Feel free to just add on to that. Oh, thank you. You've you've uh, <laughs> given so much already. I feel like you did a great job. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I, I'm honored that you would invite me. Yeah, it's it's um it's a, it's always so much fun to connect with other authors and to and to find those things that make for common ground. I in chatting with Devin earlier, I found out that he he comes from a Caribbean roots, Trinidadian and. Um, from Barbados, right? His, yeah, was, absolutely. Yeah. My dad's from Barbados and my mom's from Trinidad. So oh, it's a perfect uh, mix. Oh, the food in the household must have been just oh, Yes, lots wonderful. of great food. And especially getting back to visit both islands. I, I always love going back and, and getting the authentic food there. Oh so. my goodness. What's your favorite? Ooh, you're going to put me on the spot to, to give a yeah. favorite. Hmm. I probably have to lean slightly more towards the Trinidadian roots. Uh, the roti, I think, for me, oh. is some of my favorite, but uh, I don't know. Some of the flying fish that my grandma always brings um, from my dad's side is, is really good, too. So I don't know if that's my way of not giving you an answer, but uh, no, maybe I a slight it. lean. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Because Barbados, they have cuckoo and flying fish. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. Uh, they're known for peanut punch. Um, and cuckoo is kind of like what would you say? Like polenta? And people would probably yeah. know. I could yeah, not describe it to a person without them having tried it. I know. Um, yeah, I think yeah, what you said yeah, is right. Try <laughs> yeah. And then, um, ooh, Trinidad. Oh my God. The roti and the curry. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have some roti in my fridge right now. I can't wait. And curry. I can't wait to oh, have goodness. that for lunch today. <laughs> yes. I love that you have it in your fridge. I'm already ready to go. I have none. <laughs> 
there is many great restaurants near us because there's a huge population of Caribbeans here in Brooklyn, as you know. Um, oh, yeah. But I don't have any in my fridge, so I'm jealous. Oh, uh, well, you, you just go down the street and I'm sure you're, you'll be, you'll be good to go. <laughs> so can you describe to our audience the genre that you write? Yes, absolutely. I write creative nonfiction. I'm currently working on a memoir like you, like you pointed out. But mm -hmm. uh, creative nonfiction has been the genre that I've been writing in for the last few years. Um, and maybe the only genre that I've ever really uh, stuck with long. I, I did write poetry here and there, sprinkles of it, but nobody has ever seen it, I don't think, or heard it. So uh, that's kind of just been for me. Ah, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share with, I'm gonna share with everyone. Uh, didn't you write Dear Uncle? Oh yeah, no, you caught me. Yeah. I did. Okay, did so here's a, here, here's a poem. I, it, it sounds poetic to me. I loved it. I am here to, to be witness to the fact that, I'm here to be witness to the fact that you and I and him and her and they and them are all fully human. Not so that those in power can see us, hear us and love us, but so that we can see, hear and love ourselves. So we can share our whole hearts with the people we love. And so that when the world says we are less than human, we can respond in unison. We are human like you. Oh my goodness. That's an excerpt from a letter he wrote called Dear Uncle to his late Uncle Ron. And I just found that to be a powerful poem. Thank you. Yeah. I had been yeah. struggling with the ways in which to speak of my uncle for quite a while. And I've written many different versions of letters to him, stories about him. And um, at some point I, I did want to write, you know, a dear uncle letter to him and uh, kind of pour out my heart. And yeah, that's the end of the, the end of what I, I consider, you know, somewhat spoken words, somewhat poetry. So it felt like a good moment to be able to speak to him and the things that I have, wish I could still have of him so yeah yeah that's it's cathartic though to to write something like that to someone even if they're already gone you know it still it still helps you to memorialize them and to honor them absolutely i agree with yeah. that completely yeah. so what led you to to um choose the genre that you write in yeah the i want to say that um so when i was six you know, the, the uncle that you just read about, my uncle was killed um, outside of our house in the front yard by the police. And um, what was difficult was for me that I wasn't there when it happened and nobody in my family talked about the story, um, never talked about my uncle at all. And so I kind of took on this like holding things in. And so I would say I somewhat picked up nonfiction as it relates to having this story that had been like kind of begging to be come out of me for a long time, a yeah. story that was like very central to to me. And um, I held that silence for maybe almost 30 years, 25 wow. years. Mm -hmm. um, and as I decided to start sharing the story, specifically as I started to see it, the ways that it was manifesting with my sons, that I had to tell like my truth. Uh, and yeah. I felt like doing that within the nonfiction space. Fiction allowed me to be able to do it in a way that highlights like nuances and, and and little details that I wouldn't 
be able to capture otherwise. Um, right. It felt like a little bit of a, a an entry point to writing in general. So. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's that's quite a trigger. My goodness. Um, so you you've um, experienced enormous success as a nonfiction author, and what do you attribute to this accomplishment? Thank you. Thank you for saying that. First of all, and <laughs> I think the probably what. I would attribute most is uh, like friendships, like genuine connections within the writing space. Uh, earlier, maybe that was in 2021, I had the opportunity to be in a writing group with Roxane Gay and other writers of color. And it was just like the most enriching space that I had been in. Um, mm -hmm. and, and since had been able to stick with those group of writers that Roxanne kind of taught, like, so like the students of Roxanne. And yeah we like breathe this like life into each other and i would say they have been a huge part of success that i've found and then also i would say maybe like a bit of like my intuition or like i get these feelings of like uh, something that i want to do but i'm afraid to try um and that's mm -hmm. usually like a signal to me that it's actually the thing that i need to do most <laughs> and being able to like lean into those spaces i find has always resulted in something that's just like beautiful afterwards that I, I couldn't even have imagined. And if I had been too afraid to like do it, I wouldn't have had that. And so anytime I get those feelings now, I kind of try and just say like, this is a thing that is for me. And yeah, and usually it, it does end up working out though. It's terrifying. So it is, it is. It's something terrifying about, about putting yourself out there. You know, you feel a little naked to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. So in your bio, you describe the empowerment experience in finding your own voice. Uh, please share with your with our audience how you did this and the importance of finding our voices. Yeah, the, the I want to say I'd been like searching for the way to speak about this, this truth, the truth um, about my uncle and the truth about the ways in which we didn't talk about the things that hurt. We didn't talk about mm -hmm. the pains and things like that. And it's not even something that I feel like is, like I think a lot of people um, in many cultures don't talk about certain topics, especially the painful ones. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had been searching specifically for that aspect of my voice to talk to the truth. And I had actually started writing um, and had been writing just this one essay and it was giving me the most trouble. I maybe had like worked on it for like a year, something ridiculous. Um, yeah. was trying to like perfect it and make it as nice as it could. And as much as I was like trying to perfect it, like nobody was like really picking it up and it wasn't like really resonating. I didn't even have this like feeling about it myself. I just, mm -hmm. it was like this tightness. And eventually I was like so frustrated. I decided to um, write a completely different piece. It was a, piece that I wrote about um, my older son and I actually wrote it as we were going to his jiu-jitsu so we we're in the train from Brooklyn um, into Manhattan where he was training at the time jiu-jitsu and it's like a 30-minute train ride I wrote in the notes on my phone 30 minutes there 30 minutes back um, yeah. about, about uh, an incident where I had been late to pick him up and part of me as a father and wanting to be a father since I was 10 uh, that was like one of the hardest things being late on this particular day that I wanted to uh, never do that. And yeah. uh, I ended up just writing this out, this story uh, about being imperfect 
and yeah. how it like it ended up actually connecting to the idea of how I wanted to be perfect in that first piece that I was writing yeah. and just poured out my heart and that piece which I wrote in like about an hour got picked up by a first publication writing class radio and then subsequently by the Washington Post wow um, and it was like the indication to me that people didn't want and it wasn't important for me to try and be perfect even in the writing but just to be honest and open up um, and from there I decided that's kind of where I decided to get involved with the moth I listened to a few episodes of the moth here and there but I wasn't like a huge moth person per se mm -hmm. but being in this in the city I knew that there was like events and so I'd mentioned it to a friend that maybe someday I'll go on the stage and tell a story and they're like you should do it now and so yeah. I got off the phone with them and, and found like the next uh, moth like story slam basically like an open mic that they had and went uh didn't get my name picked for that one because it's just like random and then uh the next time i went though i did get my name picked and stood on the stage no notes just like pouring out an honest story and it felt amazing to be able to like speak from something that was inside of me that i had been holding and to like share it out into the world and it felt like i was like kind of lit up in that moment and i fell in love with sharing my story and being honest and continued to go back to the moth and, and started to bring that honesty back into my writing and what led me into writing my memoir. Um, you know, continually revise the pieces that I'm working, not so much for perfection, but for honesty and truth. And so what was the first story that you that you shared at the moth? The first story I shared at the moth was actually a story um, about at the center of it was really uh, my grandma. My yeah. grandma who was like completely healthy, completely, she had always been somebody who had eaten healthy, had actually gotten, uh, she thought she had like allergies, but she had actually ended up getting two heart attacks, back-to-back oh. -back heart attacks. Oh. And I was trying to get down to Florida where she lives and where I, I grew up when I was little to get, it actually ended up uh, taking the wrong train, just like in the wrong state and being able to get oh. to a place where I could get down there, but to acknowledge um, how hard it is for me to uh, share my emotions openly is what this. Yeah. And touched on aspects of my okay. marriage and how and how I and how I kind of like um, withheld my emotions even within mm -hmm. my marriage, and so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it helped me out definitely to to continue to find new truths and things that I had been holding on to. But it was a yeah, that was my first story. But doesn't, don't you think that speaks to well, a bunch of things? I mean, being African-American, uh, even our culture, our similar backgrounds with being Caribbean, mm -hmm. that though there's some cultural things where you're, you're supposed to not talk about. Don't you think there, there's like this hidden code? Absolutely. Yeah. No. yeah. And actually within that writing group that I had, one of the people uh, articulated it so well within Black culture. Caribbean culture, many cultures, yeah. the idea of silence, it's not an accident. It, it's very purposeful in right. its like mechanism to try and protect. Um, yeah. if, you're, if you don't you know, let these things out, nobody can use them to try and hurt you with. And it's just a way that you can continue to move on in life. We don't have the time or the energy to consider all of the things that, because if we do that, our whole lives would be um, held in that space because there's constantly messaging from our society that um, is in that space and so 
part of it is a protective mechanism to continue to move on in life and be productive. Um, and then something that she said and, and that I always resonate is the, uh, the quote from Audre Lorde about our silence can't protect us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's kind of been what I've learned myself as I used silence throughout my life, um, silence and avoidance to try and not have to think about these hard things. And I was perfectly yeah. fine. I was perfectly fine doing it. And I probably would have continued doing that until yeah. I saw the ways in which that was like hurting my sons. Um, and yeah. once I saw that, then it started to like kind of open up every single person that I had hurt from being silent. Um, yeah. you know, it, it would negatively impacted my marriage. Obviously you have to be open with your partner and, and honest mm-hmm. and, and emotional in order to connect. Um, it hurt black women every time I don't speak up, uh, it ends up being them having to carry a burden as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and so every time I look and part of what the book is about are like these confessions of the things that I didn't speak about, how it hurt myself and how it hurt yeah. others. Yeah. And also being male. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. Uh, somewhat in the I, back of my mind because I, uh, I feel yeah. a second book coming out that's, uh, centered more in like the masculinity side of things specifically about emotions and not talking but it definitely has overlap as it relates to being a person of color and being from the caribbean um the idea about what you talk about and what you don't so right yeah yeah and that it's yeah i could that that could be a whole nother podcast in and of itself (laughs) love love my caribbean culture but there's some there's some nuances that are difficult to navigate sometimes yeah i agree with that completely and i I think even i know you know because you're caribbean but i want to say a lot of people will like uh group all caribbeans together um from a sense of uh our cultures and our cultures are very similar but there are some distinctions that um maybe you'll find in one place where people are very out there and it's like flamboyant and i don't know if like specifically the mix of Caribbean cultures that I have, but I definitely feel like, uh, you know, Barbados being a British colony or like uh, coming from that sense, there's like a very formalness that I was yeah. given from, from from that side of my family. Definitely, definitely, um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the ways in which that, that has like informed how free you can be and what you can say along with like you know, somewhat of the quietness of Caribbeans and, and the things you're not supposed to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so different to, to to think about that from, you know, also being a person who grew up in America, born in America as a Black person, and the, just, the nuances and differences between those two, those two, like, lived experiences, I guess. Mm-hmm. And also the complexity of of people lumping you together. And I really want our audience to hear this because this is something that's so important. If you, especially if you are writing about another culture and you're not of that culture, it's so important for you to make sure you, you invite a sensitivity reader to check out your stuff. So that mm. you, cause you can do more harm than good in trying to make your your um, writing diverse because that's, that's, a, that's a big thing now, right? To, to make diverse books. Right, but if you you could do a lot more harm when you don't do your research, you're not in relationship with people from those cultures, because in this in coming to this country where I was born in England and my parents are mixed and and Caribbean and and then when they coming here, 
people will lump you as being well you're you're african-american but right. then african-american and caribbean are so different uh, in how they're raised and their thinking sure there are similarities mm-hmm. but it's it's like two different worlds and then like you said there are nuances in each country has has their different <laughs> their different ways and traditions you know and so that's right. it's really important i love that you brought that up yeah my agent was actually i mean i, I knew this but my agent had reminded me of this because i want to say that one of the comments she was surprised i had never seen my parents kiss in my life um uh-huh. there's no they never kissed in public or like yeah. where the kids could see and right. i think she had thought um you know being from a caribbean culture that there would be a lot of like energy and exuberance around this and maybe like uh um and i, I want to say that there are definitely caribbean cultures where that like exudes um and so i was like oh like is that part of my does that come from trinidad does it come from barbados uh, my family was okay. also uh, like a seventh-day adventist christian and so like where did that come from where they caused me to think of like you know the differences between each of those cultures specifically as it relates yeah. to that one particular thing like never having seen your parents kiss so yeah yeah we saw our parents kiss once in a while but uh right not in not in public and it it was a huge deal we would go crazy because we didn't see it often but my parents (laughs) loved each other so much but Mm -hmm. you're right it's it's you always you're always taught to be proper and and decent and so there, there are so many eyes everywhere, and you constantly have to, um, <laughs> you you constantly have to be aware of that. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, the similar characteristic. I love that you also talked about that story of being imperfect, of arriving late to to pick up your son, mm-hmm. and how that was the article that was picked up. And I, I just. To me, there's something endearing about people who are imperfect and are and are willing to admit it, because I'm like, oh man, I can relate. (laughs) I can can relate to you. I can't deal with the perfect patties. I just can't. And so when you're when people are honest and open and transparent, I think people fall in love with that because the world is craving honesty. We're, we're in a time where lies are okay, as, as long as it's how right. you feel or what you identify with. And so there's something about us that aches for honesty and transparency, and it's so refreshing. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. And it's, it's so interesting to have that shift from wanting to be come off perfect and realizing that like that actually is hurting you more than actually just telling the truth, because now, in the telling of the truth, you can connect with other people around you who know that that's the truth and they can like uh, see you within it and also like tell you of their similar things that they're imperfect about. And I feel like that's so much more human than trying to present that everything is together when really it's not. Like there's not a single no. perfect person. So uh, no. I, I thought that being perfect would, would absolutely protect me in a sense of like nobody um, and yeah. how untrue that was and how like I would say even like muted that life is like there's no like ups and downs it's very neutral um, right but it's but safe safe yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah well as you know this podcast is called murder mystery and mayhem laced with morality and it's 
a wellspring of information for all writers. However, it especially ministers to authors in a suspense crime thriller genre. And so often we delve into the dark side of humanity. So it's vital that we inject healthy doses of morality into our writing. How do you infuse your writing and speaking with morality and why do you do it? That's a great question. Hmm. I think the, the person that touched on this so like so powerfully for me was Roxane Gay. She recently had her book Hunger come out. Um, and one oh. of the things that she talked about was thinking of critics and specifically one person that she had read who was disappointed that she didn't tell more of her trauma. Um, huh. I don't think this is a spoiler alert at all, but uh, <laughs> she was she was raped in, um, in life and she talked about it in the book. And one of the people who had read the book had come across wanting her to give every single aspect to like see it and to feel it and um, basically wanting Roxanne to re-traumatize herself. And she talked oh. about the ways in which like she's the author and she gets to choose what she shares and what she doesn't share. Yeah. Um, and that like really sat with me and something that I like appreciated deeply because anytime I start speaking about my uncle and being shot by the police, everyone's mind immediately goes to like Black Lives Matter and yeah. to like every single one of these things that they've seen in the news and to not realize that there's like people, actual people uh, within these scenarios and that there's like nuances in between every single one of them and that right. the story isn't just like I'm angry at the police like it's way more than that like right um, for me I lost my uncle um, but even more than that I lost somewhat of a connection with the people in my family mm -hmm. because they no longer would share portions of themselves that hurt and uh, my story is is about my uncle, but more so about like a six-year-old boy who is trying to like process this huge thing that's happening and trying to figure out the ways in which he can protect himself, but also not harm the people in his family while staying connected to them. And um, for me, thinking about morality, I like to think of the ways in which there's like a story beneath the story and yeah. we don't have to present we don't only have to present the part that's like this huge headline story, but some of the things that are like hidden beneath this headline story and the ways in which uh, you dig, the more humanity we can mm -hmm. find in it. And so while it's like yeah. something that's somewhat dark, beneath the darkness, there's like this light that connects all of us. Um, mm -hmm. The idea of like being able to speak about our pain and the idea that I thought was like, speaking about pain would be something that's harmful and in the end finding out that like uh if you speak about pain in the right way it can actually connect you to people who you love and to people around you and instead of only thinking about it as something that's like dark um but that there's like this like uh this this warmth within the darkness sometimes if you're mm -hmm. willing to like search and and sit with it um in a way that's like genuine yeah I, I try and add that into as much of my writing as i can to mm -hmm. not spend so much time really even pointing the finger at other people and blaming and, and things like that as much as it is like thinking about finding uh, a certain level of agency within my own story and an honesty about the ways in which i've hurt people because of something that has been held inside of me so yeah yeah i i just love that you said Beneath the darkness is light that connects all of us. Oh my goodness, talk about nailing it. 
that's poetic in and of itself. I'm I'm stealing that. Go for I'm it. Just letting you know. Go for it. No, I'm I'm 100 for it. We are we are all one. So share that out everywhere. Yeah. Well, can you can you please share with our audience um, any upcoming projects or events that you you're going to be involved in? I would love to. Um, yeah. I think first, you know, a lot of the conversation that we had is is um, what my book is about. Currently titled uh, "Human Like You." Confessions yeah. of a Six-Year-Old Man. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> and I'm really excited to, you know, be going out on submission to editors probably this next week, if not the week after, to start to go out to publishing houses and uh, getting to that part in and of itself, you know, has to yeah. be a celebration. I know, I know many of your listeners are are authors, and so like, I think there's always the the end in mind, but celebrating ourselves along each portion of the of the journey is important so i'm, I'm definitely yeah. excited about that portion of the mm-hmm. project and then um i do have some upcoming like events i uh, will be at two moth main stages in virginia in march march okay. uh, march 22nd and 24th and i'm actually going to be doing a uh t- the toronto storytelling festival in may okay um, and then uh, I don't have the date for this next portion, but I am going to have another one of my stories featured on the Moth podcast and actually get a chance to host the episode. Wow. Um, so a bit of a, a Devin Sandiford Moth uh, takeover to being able to hopefully feature <laughs> feature some other stories that um, resonate with the story that I shared and talking a bit about uh, what happened within that story and, and how it connects to, to other people's stories. So. Wow. Okay. That's Okay, that's incredible. All right, and then how can our listeners best connect with you? Because I know people are going to want to. I would love that. Um, <laughs> I think the the best place to like be um, to get connected to like the things that I share most openly and honestly is probably on my newsletter through my website. Mm-hmm. I share things in there, like I, I mentioned, like it's taken me twenty five years or so to open up, and so there still is this like growing process. Um, yeah a part of me is still like six years old learning to like open up and so like the place where i feel most comfortable was is in my newsletter um but yeah. also i'm on instagram and twitter i share things stories on instagram um from time to time and twitter i basically just share all of my thoughts so that's another good place to connect <laughs> with me and hear what's like kind of presently happening yeah and i i love that on your um on your website you have clips of of you speaking it's yes. Really, um, it's neat, and and he and guys, he it's a treat to listen to um, Devin speak. He's he, um, he's very transparent, like he's mentioned before, and you feel like you're you feel like you know him, and you're hearing from someone who's really opening up, and helps you to probably be braver in telling your own story or stories. You know. Thank you for I saying that. I appreciate that. that. Oh yeah, so to treat guys, please sign up for his newsletter um, and get to get connected with him and check out the events that he is involved in and the moth, the uh, moth projects that he's involved in. Can, can you just before we close, can you just tell tell us a little bit more about the moth? Program? Yeah, absolutely. So for those that don't know, the moth is a nonprofit organization um, completely dedicated to personal storytelling. Um, specifically personal storytelling without notes, um, kind of just being open and honest. There is 
the crafting of stories that is done um but once you get on the stage it is really just you and the mic and the and the audience um there are several branches of the, the moth as I'm, i'm now myself learning and being a person that works for the moth um, there are the like outward facing main stage story slam production uh podcast and the radio hour which is played on national public radio on like maybe 550 stations uh nationwide the podcast reaches internationally um and then behind those there are some internal um programs education program that goes and, and does storytelling with students um and young people there's the Mothworks that does storytelling um with organizations um and there's the global program which does storytelling internationally and then then finally there's the, the program that I'm in which is the community program and we work with nonprofit organizations cultural centers um other community-based organizations to facilitate workshops mostly mm-hmm. um and those workshops are uh centered in storyteller agency bringing people mm-hmm. in to a space together and crafting stories as a community you share your story and people say the things that they love about it the things that they're curious about the things that they're hearing um it's kind of like a writing workshop except it's done um you know verbally you just you're just sharing the stories and you continue to work on the craft of it until you get to what we call a final share um which is an opportunity for everyone to share like a final draft of sorts of course you can continue to work on your story but you get the chance to share a 5 minute story one after another with a host um somebody who is you know talking about all the things that you've done so well together the community stories together almost as one um and so it's like this really powerful yeah. space where you feel connected to the people around you but you also have an opportunity to um search for new stories and develop new stories um and i like to think of that as like you can also bring that back into your writing all of these stories that are told on the stage can obviously be stories that you tell also on the page um and so it, it really does connect to the writing um industry and the writing community so well um to pair them yeah. together so if anybody has an organization that they know of or anybody that's interested in having these workshops the community program offers these workshops at a greatly reduced um cost um based mm. on the other programs because we are a nonprofit and we go out into communities specifically to you know reach into places and to be able to touch new communities and to think about the stories that they're already telling within their communities and the ways in which we can all be one like global community as we share stories and the human emotions that are like within every story and the ways you can relate to, to others just by listening to and sharing stories wow that what a powerful organization my goodness yeah because yeah they're really um they're really collaborating with you know with the community and that i could just imagine that would strengthen you know leadership capabilities in different corporations foster connection within a community um and really be a blessing to people's communities and workplaces Yes. Yeah, it's a it's a place that I love to work at for sure and the things that we're going to be doing this year in community some new things that haven't been done before I'm really excited about and the ways in which that it like more so you know is going to be able to meet people where they are um and there's an a, a event in the summer that I'm really excited to be a part of we're having the daughters of the movement 
um, mm. this organization of really powerful women who who their their parents or uh, caregivers themselves were civil rights activists, people really well known, um, oh. and they themselves having power within their stories as women, as Black women. Yeah. It's very that actually. Uh, do like a showcase of some of their stories uh, hopefully at the Schomburg Center in Harlem um, so it's 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 looking like and shaping to be like a really great community event which is f- more so focused on them and, and with support from the moth and not so much like uh, uh, that we're leading um, but okay. more so supporting so wow well thank you so much for hanging out with us uh, you know listeners as we learned so much from Devin Sandiford who teaches us to reclaim our humanity. So while you're out there <laughs> struggling to write or flowing to write, don't forget that we need to use our words to pierce through the darkness. Mm-hmm.